Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Data for Goalposts. In this series of pods, we are previewing each Premier League club before the close of the transfer window. We'll be analysing summer transfer business, style of play, club finances and what success looks like come May. My name is Sam Hancock and I'm joined by Scott Shelley Walker. Evening everyone. Alain Bukashev. Hello. And Monty Dariani. Salutations. And uh, next up we have Sam Hancock who's going to be talking through Everton's last season and, and the hopes for this season. Thank you, Scott. It's been a really strange few months for Everton. Um, they were always on the peripherals of uh, European football. And I don't. I think without the kind of terrible home form, it actually could have been a reality. There's been some turbulence in the close season with Ancelotti dumping them from Madrid and being replaced by Liverpool legend uh, Rafa Benitez. Ancelotti has kind of left behind a group of players that have felt betrayed that he's jumped ship to the first opportunity. And these players were really expected to propel Everton to Europe and they have very little resale value due to their increasing age. James and Alan are kind of your prime examples, both of which are kind of pushing the 30 mark. And the former has kind of really set the Premier League alight in his first month or two, but he's on 200k a week and more often than not, is injured so it's a bit of a bit of a pain there this uh, i guess as well as coupled with their kind of shackles of financial flair play has essentially left benitez to work with what he's got and um that's something that he's kind of all too familiar with during his time at, at newcastle in terms of arrivals there's been uh, three notable new arrivals of three of which are kind of filling just paces of uh, within the squad so you've got uh, Townsend, who came in on a free transfer. He was essentially a direct swap for Walcott. Um, this was kind of, he was with Benitez at Newcastle, and he was an important kind of cog into the way that Newcastle play. So I'd expect the same with, uh, with Townsend for Everton this season. Both of the goals that were scored when Townsend was on the, the pitch, came from his his end. And um, their tactic is essentially to get it wide and boot it to Richarlison and, and Calvert-Lewin. On the other wing, you've got Damari Gray, who they bought from Bayer Leverkusen for two million. Uh, he had tons of potential when he was at Leicester, but he never really delivered, um, even though he has pace and abundance. Uh, his end product has always been put in question. Under Ancelotti last season, Everton implored a very high press, either playing a 4-4-2 or a 5-3-2. And depending on what centre-backs he had available to him, essentially with a kind of 4-4-2 initially, um, then their full-backs would get high enough the pitch that the defensive midfielder, Allen, would kind of slot into a kind of three at the back when they're in attack. However, this would be kind of often difficult to break down teams and that kind of indicated with their home form because they were often bypassed with the with the press so what they were essentially doing was um not being able to break down those teams and then the teams would the opponents would then be able to find their way out within the first couple of balls and then break away and and get that 
elusive goal and just sit sit back and defend with a very low block for the rest of the game. Pretty much in desperate need of a right back. They've got Coleman, who's now on the wrong side of 30. And they've been essentially been playing Ben Godfrey or Mason Holgate, who are centre-backs out of position. Denzel Dumfries, who's a Dutch right back. He played really well in the Euros. Um, they were after him, but they couldn't find the money. And he's since gone to Inter for 12 mil. The, the, I guess the kind of one key area that we probably want to focus on is the financial play, fair play. It's a terminology that we've heard bounded, bandied around a lot in Europe, European football. And a lot of people are actually confused as to why it's in place, especially when you see the likes of City and Chelsea buying players for £100 million. I guess I'm opening up to you guys to actually look into why do we have financial fair play and why are some teams actually struggling with financial fair play right now? Um, I think that the idea is really great and um, it's important to to balance this. And COVID just demonstrated that uh, it's important to keep your um, income, your, your revenue, your income and expenses the same level. Otherwise, you'll have situation like Real Madrid and Barcelona facing now. Um, everything needs to be balanced, and it's for the sake not only the clubs that are running and the budget from their owners. Uh, it's for the sake of the whole league performance and the whole all the operations in in common and um, outcome and operations. It's important to have this structure. The problem is that. Um, Everyone is equal, but some teams are more equal, like PSG <laughs> and uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona. That's a big problem. So if uh, corruption uh, can be resolved, then that's for the sake of uh, European football. Yeah, I, I can see can see where you're coming from, that it's a good thing. But you've got a team like Everton, you have a very rich owner and are able to pay the transfer fees and the wages. So why can't they go out and go, get who they want? You, you look at City from 10, 12 years ago, they're in the same position that Everton are in now. They've got the history, they've got, they've got the fan base, much more than City in terms of fan base. Why, why shouldn't they go out and spend that money? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not fair, but at some point it needs to, to, to set that line. So it just happened not in favor of Everton, but... Um, you know, you, you can't just uh, equalize everyone and then set up new rules. Uh, kind of have to do it this way. Right. It, it also depends on it depends on how much you're willing to bend the rules, right? That's that's what's going on with with the teams that are, are spending a fair amount. Well, okay, so so two things. I guess you've got to give City and and, and Chelsea a little bit of props because they do that they do sell players and they sell like young players sometimes for like quite good fees and, and they so that their net spend isn't always as bad as like some of the headline spend would suggest but it depends on how much you're willing to, to bend the rules and push it because city did get investigated for financial fair play and it went on and they were about to get ser- like serious repercussions it went got reviewed one more time and all of a sudden they got like a and it's whatever it was, like some stupidly low, like a two hundred million dollar fine or something like that for it, right? So I think I think it depends on what's going on behind the scenes to say that you're balanced and how willing, how much you're willing to push that. I don't know exactly about City, but I know that with PSG, they just find more 
sponsors they're, 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 you know guitar this guitar they've got like seven or eight guitar responses whether it's banks guitar tourism guitar if, if you if you're willing to do that model and push it and it's essentially where it's not really a sponsor it's just more money coming from the same owner um to get it like technically you are you know fair play that the actual rules would say your incomings are matching your outgoings therefore um you're fine but it's bending the rules it's pushing it because those aren't real sponsors that like so i think maybe everton just aren't willing to go to those lengths like that like you said they could they could start playing those financial games and if they could sell if they could sell players maybe like you said i think a lot of it comes down to how much your the reason people sell young players is because there's not a huge market for players who are still quite good but have got massive salaries who aren't willing to take a a, a, a hit in those salaries so you can't you know for Everton maybe that's what they're finding if they've got players on 200 million uh, 200,000 pounds a week they're not going to find an abundance of buyers for that because that's a lot of money so there's there's, there's a, the fact they maybe can't sell the types of players that they have um, which City and Chelsea do but also the fact that they're just, they're just not maybe willing to bend the rules in the same way that, that um, City and Chelsea and, and PSG do and uh, another possible problem is that the revenue of those uh, top clubs nowadays, like City and Chelsea, and uh, Real, is that their revenue is so high that they could allow um, higher selling of the salaries, higher uh, expenses. But Everton is not. Not when you when when you look at it, the only difference in revenue between Manchester City and Everton is just that Champions League money. And a bit, probably a tiny bit more Premier League money, right? Uh yeah. In terms of where in terms of where they finish, but yeah, really, between the difference between eighth and first is literally about six billion. Yeah. What about any merchandising and any TV rights? And all that kind of TV stuff. rights is correct me on this if I'm wrong, but I think TV rights is shared equally across all 20 clubs. It's not like the Liga where you have Barcelona and uh, Real Madrid who who take the lion's share and then they split out the rations to the rest. So it's 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 an equal pot within the Premier League. So. Um, in terms of the finances, I think revenues aren't huge amount in terms of difference. In terms of City, their sponsors, kind of Etihad Airways, is owned by the same owners of Man City. So that <laughs> yeah, that is kind of deeply inflated. And I know that kind of got that looked into in terms of the financial flare prey rules uh, the last uh, year or so when they were threatened to be kind of kicked out of the Champions League. Yeah. And, and that's, I think that's what it comes down to. There's the, there's the rules and then there's the, like how, how scared are you of breaking them? Because if, if you can push it all that way to the point you get investigated and it's, it's found that, yeah, that's, that's a massively inflated figure and that you're breaking the financial fair play rules. And then you about to get kicked out of the Champions League, something, or, you know, a few weeks later, all of a sudden it flips around and you've just got a, a fine that you can easily afford. Why, why wouldn't you try and push it, right? So maybe City, City don't mind and, and Everton maybe aren't willing to take that gamble and face the the idea of maybe being docked 10, 20, whatever points there would be. They, they'd rather maybe do it a bit bit slower and steadier rather than just go out and, and splash it and try and... Because, it, it's, yeah, it, I guess people expect it City as well. If you have Everton come out and do it all of a sudden, there's a lot of media that goes into that, right? There's a lot of... Um, 
pressure just from you know everything's outside of what the rules say that, that goes into that and if you do it out of the blue it just it just puts everyone's backs out and then you know the the, the traditional top six get mad at you i think is the big one i think what we're seeing with the newcastle deal apparently the, uh, the early days of the newcastle deal it was Liverpool and Tottenham that had quite a big issue with it because they they were scared of Newcastle being rich because the, the, they want to be you know they want to be they don't want a seventh team fighting for the top four places every year. So it could be if you if you upset that apple cart of the top six and with Everton, the um you, you know they're going to start gun, like gunning for you in a few different ways. So that that's maybe the, a risk they don't want to take. The the one thing with the Premier League though, if any rule or Anything to go through, it needs to get signed off by the 14 of the 20 clubs. So you do have those kind of top six, which may be against a couple of them, maybe against people coming in, such as the Newcastle example. But if it's generally good for the league, then you would see a lot of people or a lot of clubs pass those. Areas. Yeah, but I think it's that I think it's that the the, the more the, the more silent pressure, um, the the kind of super league pressure where it's like we we don't have the actual voting right. Again, the rules are, are for you guys, like you said, it's it's the fourteen clubs that have to vote. But there's a silent pressure where it's like if you know we, we are the clubs that earn the league the most money, and if you upset us, well, you know there, there's probably threats that go on behind closed doors again, like there was with the super league where. It's it's not really a, you know a spoken pressure, but it's, it's things that they're going to exert behind the scenes to to try and get their way with with the weight that they have as as big names in the league. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I guess in terms of their um, assets that they do kind of hold value and that they are looking to sell in order to get that money to buy new players and in, improve their squad in areas such as right back and centre midfield is Moise Keane. Uh, they were hoping to recoup around the 30 million, 30 million plus that they paid out for him. And PSG uh, were looking to actually sign him towards the back end of this season, last season. Uh, he scored 17 goals from 35 appearances. However, uh, I'm just, yeah, I think for... Everton, they actually need to seriously question why they bought him in the first place in 2019. Um, I know in 2019, when he kind of first came onto the scene, there was a big horror about Moisey King, but he scored six in 10 games in the Serie A with, uh, from an XG of like 3.8. So he kind of outperformed his XG. And uh, I know in the Champions League he scored a couple of crucial goals uh, as well in the in the knockout stages, but they were pretty keen, pretty keen to get rid of uh, Moise. And I I don't I don't have a big view on him as I've only seen him play a few times on uh, on TV. But Alan, as you are our kind of maestro within. Serie A. Have you got any thoughts on Moisey? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, first of all, I don't understand why uh, Roberto Mancini didn't uh, take him on board for the Italian team um, Nazionale in the Euro, because uh, he would be much stronger, uh, as I think, than Immobile and Belotti. I, I actually like uh, Moise Keane for his uh, dynamics and plastics. Um, he is that type of player who is of a great potential, but 
yeah, it's really probably up to his mood. If he doesn't feel that good in the proper settings or the environment, then he wouldn't demonstrate his capabilities. Uh, that might be one of the explanations why he's so poor right now in, in Premier League. But in, as I remember from uh, Serie A and um, from the games he played for Juventus and uh, a bit Verona, he was really good. And the goals he was scoring wasn't the obvious ones. Obviously, he, he, he can create things. He's like younger Balotelli with brains. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. Um, I know Inter potentially looking at, at signing him as a replacement to Lukaku. Do you think that would be a good signing for them? Yeah, I think uh, that would be a good signing. Um, obviously, he's not Lukaku in his uh, strengths and ability to push forward and score, but he could be as good as Lautaro Martinez. So they could uh, create a good duet. Okay, interesting. Yeah, it's just under four different managers at Everton, he's not being fancied at all. The kind of infamous one is when you had kind of Duncan Ferguson, I think, subbed him, subbed him on. And within the space of like 10 minutes, he kind of subbed him back off because he wasn't doing the job that he asked him to do. So he could be, he was paying him out on the right wing though. So you do have to kind of question Duncan, big dunks uh, reasoning for, for doing that. But I guess he's just a hot tempered manager. Psychology. Yeah. And yeah. also Italians aren't playing really good in Premier League. In Italy, probably they are more listened to what they want. And, you know, it's a more family setup. In England, obviously, it's a harsh environment where you just need to survive. <laughs> Yeah, and you, you, you've got to remember this guy's still only 21 years age, so he's he's got a lot of potential there, as you said. Yeah. Okay. Um, in terms of players to look out for, you've obviously got the players such as Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin. Richarlison, I would be hoping to see a lot more from this year. He severely underperformed his XG. Last season, he only scored six non-penalty goals from an XG of... Uh, 10.7 so he missed a lot of chances um compare that to, to Calvert Lewin who is pretty consistent where he scored 16 non-penalty goals from an XG of 15.4 um you'd hope if they were both pushing a lot and firing all cylinders they could actually attain Europe this year which would um which would be success for them and they should have really have done that last year really um, other than the obvious two, I guess I expect uh, Mason Holgate to improve on his solid 2020. He was in the top 90 percentile of, uh, for progressive passes. So he, he takes the ball and carries it up the pitch quite a lot and is often the basis for uh, their attacks when, when he does play. And uh, this shows that he's kind of very proactive when he looks at kind of this of depossessing the, the opponent. Uh, so kind of in summary, I feel that they'll be kind of in and around the European spots and in the hunt for a decent cup run. I know in previous years, they've always kind of gone hard in the cups and they've been very unlucky in a few seasons where they just finished up in like the quarterfinals or the semifinals and, and got pushed out by there. But hopefully 
they can do a lot better this season. I, I say hopefully. I don't want them to do well, but yeah. I don't know. I don't know what you think, uh, Scott. Seeing as our ex Liverpool legend has joined Everton. Uh, yeah, um, it's it's interesting. I think the the style won't change too much. I think I think the um, the Ancelotti kind of way of working is not too dissimilar from from uh, Benitez's way. Um, it doesn't pain us too much. I think we're we're kind of used to seeing Benitez in a, in a few different positions around the Premier League now. I think Chelsea was the one that that really hurt. <laughs> that was that was the stinger. But um, no, it, it, I'm, I, you always want to. I kind of the opposite. I, I kind of you know, my, half my family's Everton fans, so I kind of don't mind it when Everton do well. It just makes for easier family meetings, and they're never quite threatening the top four. So I always like it when they kind of punching around sixth or seventh and not really threatening Liverpool because the season they did finish above us, it was kind of, the, you know, absolutely horrible. But I, I, I think they'll be, yeah, I think you're right. I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be competing right up there with the European spots. Um, but it is, always gets teams super well drilled. Um, you know, they, they've got a, apart from, unfortunately, Sigurdsson isn't going to be about by the looks of it. Um, I think Benitez likes to have quite a solid spine through the middle of his teams. And like you said, the, in, at centre-back, they're quite, you know, they've got quite a few good centre-backs now. And and then um, Sigurdsson would, would form kind of the midfield part of like a really nice spine with Richarlison and, and Calvert-Lewin up top. So it's kind of a, a shame that they don't have that that solidity through the middle there um, with, with Gilfie maybe not there with the experience. So, but no, they, they've, they've, got, they've got quality all over the pitch, like you said, apart from... Coleman, maybe you're reaching the yeah, like I said, the the sprightly part of his years. They could do with a replacement there, but um, apart from that, they're they're pretty sharp all over the pitch. If you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to like, comment, and subscribe because there'll be many more where this came from. To the guys. <laughs>